and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, uh, the podcast from the guys behind the Guitar Show UK and we are on episode 20. Episode 20. Or 19B, if you Or like. 19B, um, which sounds like where Paddington lived on whatever that road <laughs> was in London. Um, where did Paddington yeah. live? Acacia Gardens or something? Or was that Banana Man? That might have been, that might have, might have been Banana Man. Anyway... Get get back on get back on track. Can you tell that we're both sleep, sleep deprived? Um, so we, we've got the second part of our our conversation uh, with Christoph Fantana. Sounds like Spanner. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's another there's another forty five minutes of uh, of quite insightful chat. Actually, I thought in 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 this particularly in this second half of this where we start. I think we, we, we get almost philosophical in places. About amp sounds. Amp sounds and about and about, you know, um pop with different kind of guitar based, you know, rappers to it. Mm. And that was quite insightful and uh, about country music and and you know, why they you they're starting to use British amps and stuff you wouldn't expect in country music. So I thought it was quite thought it was quite insightful. Yeah. Yeah, you don't say. You I don't, don't sound convinced. <laughs> no, no, I do. Right. I do. I'm very convinced. Right. Right. Um, I, d- I did some research uh, following uh, our conversation with Chris. Uh, I dug out my copy of the Burst. Be- uh, no, the one that I thought was in five episodes is actually the Burst Believers, but the one that Chris was talking about was the Beauty of the Burst. You did get the page number wrong, though. The Rift Sawn Top is on page sixty-five. It's Les Paul. Nine zero eight three nine, right? As its serial number. Well, we ought to and we ought to put a picture out of that. Will, will we get will yeah. we get sued for that? Um, Sorry, will I, you get sued for that? Well, a, a distinct possibility, but maybe if I tag in Yashuiko Iwandi, however you pronounce it, from the Beauty of the Burst. Well, maybe he would just like us to mention his book. Well, we're bound to get Is sued a, now. From the pronunciation, from the pronunciation. Of his name. so if it was in two minds before, assuming it's a he, of course, because <laughs> we've both assumed it's a he. Uh, assuming it's a he, um, yeah, I think we, I think, I think <laughs> it's going to get litigious very, very yeah. quickly. I, I would have thought, um, but uh, and we we've cut we've we've split the interview literally into two, so uh, we come back in at a point uh, where I'm picking up on something that Chris had said last week about um, you should you should want to play the guitars that you own the, the guitars you own you should when you walk past them um, you should almost have to stop everything to you know to pick up that guitar and yeah. uh, and that was the, the that was the bit we were talking about that I I start off in response to this week. So if you'd forgotten where we'd got to, um, then because we can't do it like you know designated survivor where we so far in designated survivor <laughs> we can't do that. Have you watched that? Have you watched all of that? Yeah, yeah. It starts off as a really interesting premise. And by the third or fourth series, it's just utter tosh. Yeah, it is. It is. But I was so involved at that point 
that I had to watch it to the end and I hated every minute of every hour of every episode I watched just to get to the end. The one of the problems with Netflix is that well and and all the streaming services is that you don't often know when you go from the end of one series to the start of another. So I sailed through the end of series 1 into series 2. Um, without really noticing. So I enjoyed... Yeah, because prob- it's a logical follow-on. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of enjoyed... Um, I kind of enjoyed series probably one and a half, possibly even to the end of series two. Uh, mm. And then it, and then it, you're right, it derailed very, very quickly. Um, saying that, I can't wait for series three of Cobra Kai. No... No, I, I, you know, I, I've only watched series one of that so far and thoroughly enjoyed it. I felt the same about Sons of Anarchy. Right. I loved it at the start, and by the end of series six, it was so crap. Yeah. I, I can't describe how terrible it was. That I, but I had to watch it to find out how it ended. Have we had this conversation about Luther? Because I watched Luther, I kind of binged Luther over a, a period of a few, a few sort of um, weeks... Uh, or probably might have been days rather than weeks, and it's five, it's five series, I think, Luther. And right. the problem with Luther is when you get to the end, you realise that the best series is series one. Okay, well, that's mm. not unusual, and that's not unlike what we're talking about. But that actually the best episode in series one is episode one. <laughs> and it gets no better than that. It gets no better than that first episode and that first series. Uh, and it's, mm. it's, it's watchable, but it... it you, when you get to that point at the end and you go, do you know what? It it peaked. Episode one, it peaked. It was never as good as at that point. And I kept waiting for it to be that good again, and it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just watched the last episode of the latest series of Lucifer, which uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and I've just started on, what's it called? The Long Way Up. Right. Um, Charlie Borman and... Yeah, yes. um, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor going from um, is it Chile all the way through up to Los Angeles for Christmas dinner because yeah. um, that's where you go for Christmas dinner into LA it's exactly yeah. where you go for Christmas dinner <laughs> yeah because they arrive like three months before Christmas in Chile and it's snowing uh, and they get to LA <laughs> and it's brilliant sunshine, sunshine. trying to find turkey but I, I can't um, I can't I can't do multiple series at the same time. Right. It just confuses me. I've just got to pick one and go through that. I'm like that, but I'm like that with sandwiches and crisps. Hey? So, <laughs> Alison can eat a sandwich and ha- and open a crisps and eat a crisp and the sandwich at the same time. I have to eat my sandwich and then eat my crisps. Oh, no, I'm I'm definitely with your wife on this. Are you? Yeah, oh, yeah completely. You've proper gone down in my estimations now. <laughs> No, it's about variety no, of flavours in your no, mouth. No, no, you've got to finish your sandwich and then start your crisps. Oh, okay. I'd like to give a shout out to Aldi's um, Chardonnay and sea salt crisps. Right, the Chardonnay vinegar one—they're so vinegary. Right. Honestly, the other day I sat there and my eyes were watering, right. going, "I'm really enjoying this." I bet, I bet if Christoph's tuning in, he's over the moon with this epic lead-in to the second part of his of his interview. Yeah, should we go? Uh, yeah, and, if, and Christoph, if you can come back and let us know. Oh, sorry, I'll stop calling him Christoph. Chris, if you can come back and let us know what you do with regard to crisps and sandwiches, that would be that would be 
Very much appreciated. Um, so here it is, um, the, the second part of the interview with Chris from Rift, uh, and we'll we'll see you at the other end. When you said right, you, you can't, you shouldn't be able to walk past your guitar without wanting to play it. Mm. And I've got um, I've got a Japanese '62 reissue that I, that's a 1986, and I, and I bought it in '93. So I bought it secondhand in '93. And that's the one that I just come back to. And what's happened in all that time is there's lots of other strats and tellies that have gone through my hands and and now to the point where I've only got that. Because after spending and losing lots of money, I've realised that I'm just going to keep coming back to that guitar. Hmm. And, and there's yeah. no point fighting it. There's yeah. absolutely no point fighting it at all. And and it doesn't have to be a, a super expensive vintage guitar. It doesn't have to be a, a high end custom shop thing. It can be a, a, a mid range thing. But if that guitar speaks to you and you can't do anything else, you've got to put your cup of tea down. You've got to you know stop yourself in your tracks just to play a lick on that guitar every time you see it. Uh, that's the answer. That's yeah. the guitar for you. You know. And and if you'd said to um, me, are you is if you you know to look at it is that your guitar i would say no because my in my head my idea is a strap with a maple neck mm. and that's got a rosewood board it's interesting isn't it yeah. but yeah it i've never had a guitar that played anything like that one yeah. and i've and i so would always got... gravitate to a maple board always and is that the snap do you mind if i ask is, is that the snappiness of it or is it just an aesthetic thing or... it's an aesthetic thing okay See, yeah, I know like rosewood thing. boards on a strap for the aesthetic thing of it. Mm. It's, weird, yeah. it's See, weird, but I, I'm, I'm more than convinced that most of what we hear is with our eyes. Yeah. Well, it is, it, it is a big part of it now, I think. Um, I mean, there are some guitar colours that I've seen. Although, even if it's the best sounding guitar in the world, I'm not gonna I'm not going to be seen dead with it. You know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, my mate Paul, who I share a building with, where my business is, um, he loves gems. Absolutely loves gems. I mean, he's got several of them, and um, and even if it was the perfect guitar for me, I couldn't play one. I <laughs> 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 just they just don't do anything for me. I think they look ridiculous, but yeah. he loves them. You know, I can't get on with the, with the super flat fretboards they've got. Um, I mean, what's the radius on them? Oh, be, 16? Be, oh, really? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a classical guitar in, in how flat it is. Yeah. It, it just doesn't... I can't get on with it. But then again, I prefer seven and a quarter inch on the Telecasters, so um, you know, I'm completely the other, other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I, it's the yeah. only issue. My Strat's got a seven and a quarter, um, and I... I don't get up the dusty end very often, but it does kind of frustrate me that it chokes out a little bit. So, and I, I don't really play solos. I've never really played solos. Um, I don't know how well, to I, play I, solos. I, 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 that's what I did as as a, as a young guitarist. I I called myself a rhythm guitarist. I focused on on rhythm playing mm. um, and being part of the drum and bass section of of a, of a band as you might call it, rather than focusing on licks. Um, and it was all, all of those guitar players that really shaped my own guitar play. You know, those really good rhythm players, like John Lennon, 
um, like like Kelly Jones and the Stereophonics and and mm. you know all those guys um, who who weren't what you might you know consider to be virtuoso shredders by any stretch of the imagination, but they're still very technical and very good on guitar, mm. especially playing rhythm stuff. Um, but yeah, now I completely get that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. you know, when I was a sort of like early early teen, mid teen, I wanted to be Malcolm, not Angus. I wanted to be Easy, not mm. Slash. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's something about actually the rhythm guitarist carries the song. The lead guitarist just whittles over the top of it, you know, and gets yeah. the the yeah. the sixteen bars of glory in the middle. And then, <laughs> if you ever get a chance to see Iron Maiden live, I obviously have they've got the three times. the three guitarists. Mm. Um, and just from a, a, a guitar's point of view, um, if you watch what the other two are doing whilst there's a solo going on and the other guy is wailing away, it's incredible what they're doing. Um, and and that, that really makes it... Um, and of course, with three guitarists, it, it's got, they're fighting for all sorts of sonic spaces, but mm. they make it work. Um, and I think it's kind of a masterclass in rhythm guitar. When you, when you see what they do, and of course they're running around stage doing all that stuff, um, I find it find it incredible. I find it incredible that they are probably in their sixties now. I would imagine, given that Iron Maiden started in the oh. mid to late seventies. Yeah, they must mm. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, moving on. Moving on. Things. I, I need to ask you, Jason mm. uh, and Ant. Actually, we'll start with Ant because um, why not? Uh, tell us about your dream amp then. Oh, about my dream amp. Well, if you rang me up tomorrow and said, I, I, want to build, I want you to build me this amp, what would right. it be? Well, that's, you know, see, that's interesting because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to then take you to what I said earlier on about the player. So if you, if you I mean, the two, the two sounds for me, and these are wildly different, actually, um, mm-hmm. in terms of there's something about the tone that Richards gets now, I don't mean back then, I mean now. There's something about... He's got a clean tone now that is just something else. So if you hear if you hear some of the stuff in rehearsals and what have you, he's just got this beautiful... There's a bit on... Um, Jay, you'll have seen it. You know the 5x5 five five, yes. um, thing? There, there, there's, a, there's a bit of them and they're doing... Uh, they're working out a chord sequence to mixed emotions. Mm. And there's a, there's a tone that Richards has got there that's just absolutely beautiful and it's clean and it's rich and it's full and it just sounds amazing. So there's something about that kind of tone that is clean and rhythm and it's a little bit like, um, you know that tone that Brian Adams gets on Run To You on the chord bit, the chord bit in the middle where he's got that chord riff. It's just something like that where it's it's a powerful, clean tone. So there's something there, and then totally off on the other side, which is going to make it virtually impossible for you to build this thing. I want to sound like Steve Rothery, please, but not not <laughs> Steve Rothery necessarily lead Steve Rothery. I want to sound like Steve Rothery delayed, chorusy, the rhythmy stuff, Steve Rothery, which is obviously that's based around a JC120, isn't it? Yes. Uh yeah yeah yes. So they are two totally different things. Mm. So I want to be able to pick up two guitars, a telly yeah. and something you know probably Strat esque with a with a with a with a you know a, a some kind of hotter pickup in it, and I want to do those two sounds. So I want that that kind of clean, Richards you know not even the old not even the 
you know, necessarily the classic period. But there's this tone he's got now that's just fantastic. I think he's playing the big, the old tweed fenders, isn't he? He is. With the Doesn't he have speakers. serial number three or something of it? I'm, I'm sure. I think so. That. Yeah. yeah. If that's the case, one. who in the world has got two and one then? Well, I, I don't think that because he's been collecting them. He's, well, he's got um, his guitar tech is French. I can't remember his name. Um, but basically, his job when the Stones are on tour is to go around the world, find an amps f- and find these amps because they're so fragile. But he insists on taking them on the road that they have to have multiple backups of them. Yeah, but you see, I respect that. You know, it's and that's the whole Bonamassa thing, isn't it? He's taking this these high end gear out so people can hear it being played. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I absolutely respect that. I'm I can't fault the guy. Um, yeah, well up for that. Oh, and you know, it helps that you're a multi multi millionaire and can afford to take out your own amp tech on tour with you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you can send. Um, oh, what's his name? Anyway, you can send him out when you're not on tour to go and, and find them. They're, they've come to the conclusion that number one and number two have been destroyed over the years, which is probably like. Well, number one was 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 probably a sales model that went out on the road to dealers as a mm. demo, uh, probably. Um, and then number two was either a backup for that or or it was sold. But yeah. Um, but you can't trust those early serial numbers like that anyway. Who knows? You yeah. Know. yeah. I mean, it's the sort go. of thing, you know, when companies start their invoices at 1001, so it looks like they've got, they've had business before your the first order that they actually have. You're giving away the secrets, Jason. <laughs> Jason, I think you might have invoice 1001 from me, so don't... You, you, you've done it to both of us now. Yeah. I started right, Jason. at one. Dream Amp, Jason. Okay, so currently my setup um, via uh, what's it called a, a radial tone bone pedal. So is that have, the ABY? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can have both on at the same time. Is that I've got a Marshall um, SV twenty H? Is that what it's called? Part of their new, you know, the little new vintage amps that they're doing. So yeah, 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 it's the yeah. super lead. But it's called the Studio Vintage, I think. Um, into my Lazy J J20, and the two of them on together gives me—I don't know—the warmth from the Lazy J, but the bite from the Marshall at the same time. Mm. And I only did that. Um, I've had many amps, um, but I'd never bought a radial, an ABY pedal. But when I was chatting, <laughs> chatting to Phil X, you know, as you do. Um, over a curry um, with you and Mick Taylor, and um, and he was he gave me a really long explanation about why his rider for the guitar show was a JCM eight hundred and a Fender anything. We got him a bass breaker, which he seemed mm. quite happy with um, at the same time, and and I was kind of intrigued, and for the for the cost of a pedal. To be able to do it, and I bought the radial one because it got the 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 lift switch. It's got the ground the ground lift and the and the and the polarity switch. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, I I I've been doing it for years. In fact, it was seeing Phil X at in at the boiler room in Guildford oh, right, many yeah. moons ago, um, and I saw him doing it there, doing the whole ABY thing, two amps on you know, dual mono, two mm. amps on at once, um, and then he'd have a boost 
just going to one amp, so he could then push it a little bit further as well. Um, it, it was just because everything sums together, but only the good bits sum together. Mm. Yeah, so you never it it because you you'd worry that all you'd hear is the bad bits of both amps summed together. But actually, no, it's only ever the good bits. Um, and you can find some really complimentary um, amp combinations that just sound incredible. Um, so I've been doing it for years, um, oh. and that's my that's my main main thing. And it's better than a boost pedal, you know, kicking yeah. another amp instead. <laughs> it's great. <isn't> it? <laughs> yeah. In fact, I've got um, I've got the pedal board that Phil used here um, mm. that I should probably give away at some point via the podcast. Um, mm. He took um, he took a pedal board off me at the show and four at the show, and then went, "Can I go on tour with it?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course you can." Said, I'll give it you back at the end. Um, so um, we'll give that away at some point. Took the piss a little bit, didn't he? What with the extra arm, Brad, and the and, <laughs> and the, the pedal board. Well, yeah, well, you, you know. know, it's LA rock stars. They yeah. just don't know their place, do they? They don't. <laughs> They don't. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have in Tamworth that, but um, you know. But so so was that a piece of genuine market research, or is is an amp going to appear at my door in about well a year? Well, if you get your credit card out. Yeah. Oh right, okay. Um, but um, no, I just I just find it interesting because a lot of people, when you ask them that question, they don't know. They really don't know. They they really struggle to think. You know, what would be my my dream amp? Um, it has changed though, depending on which band I've been in. Well, this is, is exactly amp. my next my next follow up point because I once built my dream amp, and then a couple of weeks later, it was no longer my dream amp because I was onto something else. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I played in a, for want of a better description, punk and roll. It wasn't really a shouty <laughs> punk band. It was um, it was kind of like a New York Dollsy kind of rock and roll band. Uh, but I was the only guitarist, and I had a, a dual terror at the time, and it was brilliant because it just filled that middle sound. But as soon as I started playing, uh, I suppose Americana type stuff, mm. just didn't work at all. Mm. Yeah, I just I could I couldn't get a light enough sound from it. Yes, you're doing Americana amp. <laughs> no, no, that was um, Adrian Thorpe just driving past. Uh- <laughs> Uh, the major. <laughs> For those that don't know, our workshops are next door to each other here on the farm. Have you got um, the good one, or has he got the good one? Well, mine's got the, uh, the the indoor toilet. His has got an external toilet, and I've got more windows. So, um, so, so his is you, shit see, then, really. <laughs> so that's what Matt Gleason said. He says you can judge your success by how many windows your workshop has. Um, <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, and I've got four windows here, so I must be doing reasonably well. Well, Adrian's only got two windows. Ah. <laughs> well, my office has no windows. Yeah, my office has got no windows. I've got no windows. It's, that's why when we do these podcasts at night, it just gets darker and darker and darker. And you, you look exactly the same, and, and we just get darker Yeah, all, all the time. No, it's, it's, yeah. it, I must admit, it's interesting what you said there, because actually thinking about it now, now I've described what, I would have liked that kind of clean telly clean sound that 
could punctuate things like Tom Petty or could punctuate things like because I was into the alarm for a while. But that would also work with the Brian Adams thing that works with the Stones thing. I can see how that's consistently gone all the way through, actually, in my kind of Mm. my kind of, you know, so that bit I can identify that sound in 10, you know, six, eight, 10 artists that I like. But the but the Steve Rothery one is very. I suppose you could say, yeah, it's Rothery and it's Gilmore and it's a couple of others. But I mean, for me, it's 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 Rothery. But that kind of delayed, chorusy, jangly, you know. Um, but uh, interesting, interesting. I did realise that I've actually. If you said to me, who have been your guitar heroes over the years? It's effectively the same person, just in different skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, that's, so uh, that's actually really fair. That's a really mm. fair point. Mm. Um. I, I think you know, the, uh, I, I've got Keith Richards, yeah, who's really just Chuck Berry. Um, I got Johnny Thunders, who's really just Keith Richards. I got Andy McCoy from Hanoi Rocks, who's really just Johnny Thunders, and I got Izzy Stradlin, who's really just Andy McCoy. <laughs> and it's just they're all just Chuck Berry, but in raggedy gypsy clothes. The one that the one that's out for me in all of that. If I think back to that kind of thing that doesn't really fit, is Richard Hawley. He's the one that just doesn't fit. Yeah, and that's I mean, all. A, that's a huge tone thing as well. But that takes us a little bit back to rockabilly, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's big Gretches, isn't it? Big Gretches. Hmm. You know. So both the, both of you have mentioned dream amps that achieve tones someone else's sound. Hmm. Really, but what's your Sound. Mine is. Um, if you weren't trying to chase someone else's guitar tone or trying to achieve someone else's tone, what what gear would you play? I, I, see, I I stopped chasing other people's tone uh, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, the band that was in sort of like split up is too strong a word. Drifted apart, mm. and um, oh God, I sound like such a twat now. I recorded a, a solo album on my own. Um, you tend to have to yeah um, and for the first time ever I was stood in a recording studio that I was paying for with um, an engineer slash producer going how do you want it to sound and going um, and kind of we we went away and I I kind of did him a a CD of kind of stuff that I really liked um, and we just kind of work from that. So I think my sound now, over the last probably four years, is my sound, um, and it is that. I, I don't I don't play with any distortion at all really now. I just like to play with a bit of crunch, um, but I think it works really well for um, a wide open rhythm guitar part, which is mm. what I play. I, I think as a as a guitar exercise, it's it's really interesting to do is to. Um, sit down and say to yourself what is my own tone you know mm. um one of my customers is a huge dave gilmore fan and all of his gear for years has been dave gilmore's gear you know all the peak cornish pedals set mm. exactly right all the amps you know all the right guitars with the right strings on I know everything you mean. and recently he's decided that he wants to do his own sound and he's gone in a completely different direction to what I ever thought he would. Um, and do you know what? His tone is ten times better than it was before. Mm. And his playing is better. And so it's a really, really interesting 
exercise to do is to what actually is my tone rather than chasing someone else's where, where does that take me do you know what that also talks to the fact that naturally i can't play very well like the people that i would say are my heroes mm. so you try no, to I mimic I'm it t- I, I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You try to mimic it, but I can't do it. I actually can't do it. I can make a reasonable approximation, but it's only a reasonable approximation. Um, and yet, other stuff when I'm playing, you know, naturally, and then suddenly when you start to play naturally, you realise that the sound that you've got and you're, what you're going for is not using any of the component parts that your influencers are using, mm. uh, because it just doesn't work. And I'm, I have to say, Chase, I'm a bit with you that I end up on a that light crunch tone, um, you know, and and particularly if I'm messing about trying to write something, end up with something that's a lot different to what I would have said that my influences would would be. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the things that because I've, I've I've been doing some recording lately, um, in a different studio, um, which has been absolutely brilliant. I was recording on Friday, and it's been really interesting to just service the song rather than mm. this is my setup, so this is what I play. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that as you've seen, I've got quite a selection of guitars, so I've gone actually. This guitar needs a Les Paul. No, this one needs a Telecaster. No, this one needs a Strat. And I don't think you get that when you play live because, you know, I haven't got a roadie that can, you know, be waiting on the wings to chuck me another guitar and stuff like that. And you just then... And I also think I've been... uh, Lucky? No, that's the wrong word. Um, I've never, ever played covers. In fact, I can't play anybody else's songs. I I can stumble through a couple of Rolling Stones songs and that's about it. Um, so I've never chased anybody else's tone like that because I've never had to replicate it. Mm. Um, but isn't it fascinating how many how many guitarists do, and that's all they do? Yeah, mm. you know, um, you know, what's your ideal guitar sound? Well, will sound like Slash, mm. right? But you're not Slash. Yeah. What's your you know, or um, uh, you know, going back to the Hank Marvin and the Shadow stuff. You know, those guys, they spend fortunes, you know, a ridiculous amount of money trying to get that tone. Um, and I often think, what you know, what, what does that guitarist actually sound like when he's doing his own thing? Oh, I can, I can help you with that. <laughs> I can help you with that. And I can tell you what they don't sound like. <laughs> but I, I, I never wanted to... Whilst, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, I kind of really idolised a lot of rock bands, which is why I started playing the guitar you know mm. i wanted to do that I, I never i never wanted to play their songs if you know what i mean I, it just wasn't no. i don't see the point i genuinely don't see the point of learning someone else's parts i'd rather write my own mm. which i am I, fully aware is out of step with how most guitarists learn and i probably would be a lot better if i'd learned how to play other people's songs and practice them but it it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there is a difference between learning to play uh, um, another song convincingly and 
being a, a you know being it tonally correct to the nearest millionth mm. of a percent as as some people do um, and I, I mean there's nothing wrong with that i just i just as i said as an exercise it's really interesting to to discover your own tone and mm. to put everything else aside and start almost start again with a blank sheet of paper and say mm. right and i did that with um, my pedal board as well i just took everything mm. off and sort of laid them out and was like am i happy with this one no that goes. I'm happy with this one. Yes, it stays. And then I kind of went, what gaps have I got? Yeah. And, and Jen just bought a couple of pedals. Um, initially, I bought some second-hand ones that are a bit battered off eBay just to see if I kind of like that. Or I bought a, I remember buying a Behringer delay pedal. I've never played with a delay pedal in my life. Bought a Behringer one for like 25 quid. <laughs> uh, okay, I can kind of see the use of that. I think I might need a better version of it. But, you know, so that was kind of like how I built my current pedal board, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done it too many times now. I don't know what my tone is, but um, (laughs) I know what I want for my gear. So I guess that's one thing. Mm. It's it's difficult as well, isn't it? Because you're trying to um, you're trying to build amps that sound very different. So therefore. Yeah. I mean, and that's an interesting thing as well. Lately. Um, I mean, we're circling back to my my originals line of amplifiers now. They're not trying to sound like a particular amplifier of the past. They're trying to capture um, a particular sound of uh, you know an era or a, or a genre or something. Mm. Um, for example, um, I, I I'm really into country music. It's a I mean an American. It's a big thing of mine, um, and I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, some of the the modern guitar heroes in country music, yeah, guys like Brad Paisley, Keith Urban, um, you know the guys in the Zap Brown band, and you would think they're all playing Telecasters into Tweed amps because that's the classic country sound. Mm. And actually, do you know what? That they're playing anything but those things. Yet they still get what everyone would consider to be um, quintessential country guitar sound. Yeah. Um and and the more I looked into it, most of them are playing British voice stamps. Um which completely blew my mind. Um what blew my I was mind look- a couple of years ago was Laney were telling me that they go out to Nashville quite often. And I was like, really? Oh, you know, hmm. Laney the sound of heavy metal is out in Nashville. And- <laughs> but there you go. But you see, but, but I, I, I think I understand that because a lot of those really heavy metal high gain amps have got a really nice clean tone. Yeah. Mm. And if that twangs and it chicken picks, yeah. Guess what? They're going to use it. Yeah. Um. Because because you know if the glove fits or the hat fits or whatever the phrase is. Um. But yeah, it was um it was actually I was. Uh, on YouTube, and I was searching for... So my dream guitar is a 52 gold top, Les Paul gold top. Okay. You know, I want an early one with is the unbound with the neck. It's, yeah, it's got the trapeze. Um, and it's got the, you know, the, the neck angle is is incorrect, as, as they say now. Mm. Um, but I've always wanted a, an early 52 gold top. That's my anyway. I was searching YouTube for, for demos of one, and one came up, and it was 52 gold top into high watt. That that's all the video was called, and I clicked on it, and it was the and it was actually the opening song from a live show that Keith Urban did, um, where he's playing a fifty-two gold top into a high watt, 
Um, and that tone was 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 something else. Um, I couldn't believe. It. I mean, it, it sat. It, it, it was it was kind of a mix between country music and pub rock, um, which is right up my street. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, and I couldn't believe it. I thought that's not a Telecaster into a tweed basement. That is a Les Paul, all right, P90s, but it's a Les Paul into a into a Highwall, which is I wouldn't have guessed in a million years that that'd be used in country music. Um, no, but yeah, saying, so anyway. saying that though, saying that this is interesting with the names that you've kicked out there because i've always had a little bit of an uh, of a kind of a view that pop to a certain extent there's always been a guitar based version of pop and and depending on the era will depend on what it then gets defined as so if you go back to what the guitar based version of pop was in the mid 70s actually we now call that glam to a certain extent and if you look at what the guitar based version of pop was in say the early 80s we now call that hair rock or we you know or we call it soft metal and then you've got the brit pop being you know a genre when in reality all these were were just good pop songs and it was just that that was the that was the guitar sheen that was on them at the time mm. does that you know so if you listen to so I guess the great example is that Mutt Lang goes from producing Def Leppard to producing Brian Adams to producing Shania Twain. The material's actually virtually the same. There's not a lot between... <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. What's on Hysteria to what's on Waking Up the Neighbours to what's on whatever the name of that Shania Twain album was that went stratospheric. The guitar works similar across the board maybe a little bit more whittle on the on the leopard stuff but the point being it's a different rapper for essentially what is the guitar based pop of the day and as i say mm. pick your genre or sorry pick your era and then we name it something different so it's glam or it's metal or it's soft metal or it's metal or it's rock or it's country or it's but because i'm with you if you listen to a lot of that the, the kind of country stuff that's floating through at the moment it's not really country is it it, it would have been twenty years ago. It would, twenty or thirty years ago. It would have been Brian Adams. It would have been Bon Jovi oh, or Bon Jovi yeah. or, or you know. Yeah. Well, I mean th- that's an interesting point because I mean there's country music is, is huge and so diverse and you know there's lots of different subgenres in it. But Nashville on the pop side of it has always been a couple of years behind what modern pop trends are. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a you know it's a southern cover act as as, as someone once called yeah. it, um, but no no I think I think you're right it does it's um, but yeah but with those guitar players um, from, from a gear point of view because um, of course Brad Paisley plays the um, he's playing Doctor Z uh, Z Rex mm. which are based on um, which was a train wreck design which is based on a hot rodded Vox so that's your link back to a British amp again. Um, and then the more you see it, they're all playing British voiced amps, and um, I just found that whole thing fascinating. That um, uh, it's it's you know you can get if you're a good enough player, you'll get the tone out of anything. My favourite tone out of that con- modern country thing is Jason Isbell. Like yes, yeah, he's yeah. just uh, I, well, I know he's obsessive about tone. Um, mm. But I, I it just, you know, his latest album is incredibly stratty, um, but sounds great, um, you know. And his previous work was quite Les Pauly. Um, is, is it Magnatone he plays? I think. 
Um, but I, I get the I get the impression that he'll play whatever suits the song, really. Mm. Although interestingly, um, uh, Chris Stapleton is one of the new breakout mm. guys, um, but he he's playing Fenders again. So um, maybe, maybe it's gone full circle. Well, it's the murky world yeah. of endorsement deals, though, isn't it? No. I didn't want to get into it, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what are they actually playing in the studio yeah. compared to, you know, and what are they actually playing on stage? I mean, the amount of times that you've been and seen a band and they've got a, you know, back line of something and you, you know, you hear that there are other amps actually behind the stage, under the stage that are actually being used. It's, you know. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I suppose uh, an hour and 20 minutes in, <laughs> we've, oh, we've only had three questions from Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We perhaps ought to think about wrapping this up. So, I, um, uh, Yeah, I hadn't, um, I hadn't asked about motorsport, which is the reason why we couldn't get you on before. Uh, I was away racing, yeah, yeah. But, yes. you know, we'll come back to that on another day. Eh? <laughs> well, I think we're going to have to do this. I think we're going to have to put a part two in for this. Because we haven't really uh, touched on probably half of what we were going to we were going to touch on. No, I've got uh, a page full of questions. Well, let's have one more question, Jace. Come on, make it okay. a, make it make it a winner, Jace. Make it yeah. a winner. No, um, come I on, do, one off the top. I do want to talk about your uh, your motorsport because you know it it fills your Facebook pages and the, uh, yeah, the live yeah. feed from the car. Yeah. So last year. Um, a friend and I bought a race car, decided to get our licenses and and, and, and join a racing club, um, the seven fifty motor club in this in this instance, and and, and try a hand at, at motorsport. Um and it is if you think guitar stuff is expensive, <laughs> um you are in for a big shock when it comes to, to motorsport. Because even the cheapest motorsport and they and they advertise it as budget racing. Um, it can get eye-wateringly expensive if you want to be even mildly competitive. Um, but I absolutely love it, and it's and it allows me to to step away from from thinking about valve amplifiers all day long, um, and and focus my energy on something else. Um, so it's so, MX5s, yeah. isn't it? We yeah, so we bought an MX5. Um, when you when you decide you want to go racing, you have to, the, the first decision that you make is whether you want to race front wheel drive or rear wheel drive cars, and that then puts you on into which series you're going to race in, what car you're going to buy, um, and all those type of things. Um, and my friend Nick and myself, uh, we decided we wanted to do rear wheel drive, um, and then from that you've got a choice of a Mazda MX5, a BMW Compact. Um, caterums and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but if you if you want to um, not remortgage your house, um, it's got to be a Mazda MX-5 because you you can buy one a race prepped car uh, for around five grand. Um, your um, your total license cost, including the gear you got to wear, you can do it for about a grand, um, and then budget for about six grand a year uh, to go racing as a minimum. Uh, so it is it is expensive, but then again, you know I've spent more than that in a year on guitar gear. So <laughs> who knows? It is who great knows? fun, though, isn't it? The first event yeah. I ever ran was an event called Mini World, 
which wasn't about really small worlds. It was it was about the mini, and mm. um, it's a really confusing title. Um, uh, but it was about the old mini, um, you know, the sixties mini, and mm. um, it was well, brilliant. We ra- yeah, we raced against one recently at Silverstone. Um, I mean, I don't understand how they corner. I honestly don't because they're on these small twelve-inch wheels, um, um, and they, they, you know, they've literally got no, no floor footprint. They're so small, Mm. and this guy was was four-wheel drifting it around on all sorts. He was having a great time. Um, Yeah, one of the sort of things that I did as part of the event, I started. um, So I ran this thing at the NEC, and it had um, it was binary. That's how I remember it. Eleven thousand and ten visitors um for the first year which was, <laughs> was pretty good and um so i spent the next year sort of like gearing up to the next event and you just go to lots of other sort of like little mini meets mm. and mini racetracks and i went to see the mighty minis uh, race series several times went down to brands hatch to see him and at silverstone and stuff like that i had a brilliant time and i went to um santa pod uh raceway uh, which is drag strip uh, mm, you, uh, yeah. it's not far from you is it it's in North no, Kansas, no. Yeah. it's half an hour drive yeah, yeah. and um, do you know Dave Walsh that runs Eternal Guitars uh, I briefly met him well he but you know what it's like at a guitar show yeah you meet everyone well Dave used to be <laughs> the ad salesman for Mini World magazine <laughs> Right. <laughs> 20 years ago sort of thing from 25 yeah. years ago probably and um we mini world magazine was sponsoring um this event at santa pod raceway and they got a couple of their own mighty mini race cars there because they were sponsoring a series and um and they kept saying to me go down go down this <laughs> go down the track and I hadn't got my driving license with me, and you needed a, a driving license to be able to do it. Um, so I borrowed Dave Walsh's, learned how to forge his signature, sort of like for, for the twenty minutes before while I was stood in the queue, and um, and raced twice down the drag strip. It was brilliant fun. Oh, I mean, it's it's beyond. I mean, if you ever been go karting, you know, to a go kart yeah, yeah. track and, and and a race, um, it's it's that amplified. You know, by ten, easy. Um, the adrenaline rush and um, and everything that goes with it. Um, it's it's one of my absolute favourite things to do. Is just going to hurtle around a um, a Formula One spec track in a yeah. in a race car. And, and the thing is, track days are fun, but nothing beats going three wide round a corner in, in competition. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Um, so we've got um i mean this year's kind of ruined us a little bit but we've got um i'm going to snetterton out in which is out north in norfolk in a couple of weeks time and then the week after we're back at silverstone um for a race called the burkett relay which is a six hour relay race um so we've got a team of three cars five drivers um and you just how many laps you can do in in six hours you know, one car goes out, does his laps, comes in, next car goes out, rinse like and repeat. A mini Le Mans. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the traditional end of the club season, and mm. they do it every year. Um, but you, um, you can't be a novice. You've you've got to have completed six races in order to enter. Um, and uh, some of our drivers aren't quite there yet, so we're, we're trying to get extra races in to get them up to 
to get in. But that's that's the that's been the dream for a long time. Um, so yeah, we're looking to that, and then we've got Donington Park, um, and then there's I might be racing on Boxing Day at Mallory Park. Um, ah, I like Mallory Park. Yeah, it's a it's a I think it's a motorcycle. It is really venue. Yeah. But um, yeah, they they hold them uh, every year on on Boxing Day. They hold a race meeting there, um, and it's a great way to spend your Boxing Day. Really? You want to escape the in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So there you go. Yeah, and so I sponsor the car myself because you know, yeah, free advertising. <laughs> it's a quarter. <laughs> it's a forty-five degree sawn car. It certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, um, on that, I think we'll we'll yeah. call it we'll call it a day. Um, Chris, thanks for your time. That's all right. I enjoyed it. Um, a nice chat. Oh, it's good uh, to see you, mate. Yeah. yeah, I do waffle on a lot. I do apologise, but uh, no, that's, you, you, that's all right. That's what the yeah. edit functions for when yeah. Ant gets to it. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the four people who listen to this will be okay with it. Honestly, it's fine. We'll, we'll, I'll ring them all before I them warning. Uh, tend send, to ring. Re- just, just send out a disclaimer. Do you know yeah. what? I was checking the um, uh, chartable um, things today, and we've just fallen out of the Netherlands top fifty podcasts. Oh, outrageous, mate! <laughs> and I was that... like, "Why are we in the top fifty podcasts in the Netherlands?" You see, that's the real question, isn't it? How did you get in there in the first place? Yeah. Who have I bribed? How much has this cost me? Although, do you know what's really, really interesting? I've started selling an absolute ton of amplifiers to scandinavian countries um and i thought all they did was was death metal but apparently vintage amps are all the rage over there so um who True. knows what's going on well what's your icelandic yeah. ant did we get to well it? yeah we never got to that did we um because i'm um, we did we did i'd like to say we were well prepared and we'd done our homework but we had found out uh and to be fair to be fair it's chris that's reminded of this what um icelandic was for the big cheese and it's Stora Austin. That's the big cheese in Icelandic. <laughs> Stora Austin. So the thing if, is, I, I can't do an Icelandic accent, so it probably sounds like a really bad British accent trying to say <laughs> the big cheese in Icelandic. Yeah, but yeah, I think. Do you know what? So anyone th- who is from Iceland listening to this, yeah, Jason and I are really, really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in the way we've just tried to say but the big cheese we and, and do love Iceland we're, we're really sorry full stop yeah fair yeah, enough yeah. Yeah. yeah okay okay say it one more time I, I want to get the pronunciation right okay well I'm still going off what it says on here but Stora Austin see I can't roll my R so I don't think I could ever do it properly um well okay. I, I don't know if I can I think I think it's just the fact I said it first that probably makes you think that's how you're supposed to say yeah. it. I don't know if I've got it right. I see. I blame the teacher. Well, right. don't worry. When you get to Reykjavik, they all speak English better than we do. So. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. So there we are on on big cheese in Icelandic. We will finish uh, for this episode. Uh, as I say, thanks, Christoph. Oh, Jason, uh, you've got to send me an invoice for the naan bread before you yeah. forget. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's get that sorted as well. And I mean, yeah. and hopefully we can come and see you soon. Hopefully we can pop along and um, yeah, do... come down come down the workshop. You can see see the mess in person. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> that sounds fab. Um, 
Jace, I guess I'll uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Do we yeah, know yeah. who we've got on next, or is it is it a bit of a mystery? It, it, it's a mystery to me. Uh, I haven't actually sorted it out yet. So right. Um... Does that mean we should get Toya on? <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, we could get our other half on. Even Robert Fripp. Yeah. Uh, I might email that... Keith Scott. Oh, we, we, we need know. we need to get Keith Scott on. Chris, do you know Keith Scott? Uh, I know Scott Keith. Does that help? No. Well, not really. No, <laughs> not unless we can interview. Him well, there you go right. then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Right, Keith Scott. Then, Jace. I'll leave it with you. All right, mate. And that was uh, the second half of the interview with Chris, and I think that's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was insightful and it was funny and it was a lovely way to while away, uh, while away an evening. Um, so huge thanks to Chris for doing that. Uh, what a great guest! Yeah, I really, you know, I, I really like chatting to Chris. Anyway, he's uh, he's one of the exhibitors that I'll phone up just for a chat, not to talk about a guitar mm. show or anything, but just for a chat because you know, yeah, I just really like talking to. Him. Oh, you can't not like talk to. Him. Not like to I mean, I'm going to be over the moon if my amp turns up, but I'm not expecting <laughs> it. That, there seemed to be a very, very clear line there. You can have it if you like, but you're going to definitely have to pay for it. Um, which, yeah, which is fair enough, you know. Which is fair oh, enough. We've given him two episodes of marketing here. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can equate a cost to that and see how many knobs that buys us. Um, if, if you excuse the imagery. Um, I've got one thing to say to you before we disappear. Okay. So this is episode This is episode 20. Yeah. It's not 19B. It is 20, yeah. really. It's going to go down as 20. Um, well, basically, because the hosting platform we use doesn't have a 19A or B, so we couldn't be 19A <laughs> or B, even if we wanted it to be. Um, so we've started talking about our Jubilee episode, haven't we? We have. Well, I think we should be... Um, God... That'd be Christmas time, won't it? So it's every other week, yeah, ten weeks. Which, um, where are we? First week of October. It will be, you know, Christmas kind of special. Maybe we can wear a paper hat while we're recording it. I think we should. Um, but the the bit I was going to say was we just talked off air, off air a little bit about this whole thing of Keith Scott, and mm. you know, should we really make an effort to try and get Keith Scott on for twenty five? I'm going to email him this week. Right. Because you have said that a few times. I know. I know. Uh, uh, To be fair, I've been incredibly busy with my other job. Um, Oh, no, I'm not. I I wasn't wasn't, casting aspersions on your your commitment to the project. (laughs) Waiting to see if we could get to 20 episodes before I committed to actually emailing someone that I respect hugely. (laughs) Not that I haven't yes. respected the other guests. That came out wrong. Yes, but, yes, um, yes. Or, or me even. Yeah. But um, but right. So that so Keith for twenty five then. Yeah, I'll try Keith for twenty five. That's the that's the plan. Yeah. Right. All right. Fine. I think that makes sense. If anybody out there can help us with that, if any of you happen to live three doors down from Keith Scott's Auntie Mildred. Uh, then let us know. Have we got any listeners in Canada? I don't think we have. We've got loads of listeners in America. I guess Big Cheese in Canadian is just Big Cheese. Well, uh, well, it depends on which part of Canada you're from. It would be the Grand Fromage, wouldn't it? 
<laughs> I would. It would actually. Yes, you're right. You're right. If you're from that bit. I, I don't know which part of Canada is from, but I do have. I purchased the other day off um, an Amazon reseller the uh, Brian Adams biography. Oh, okay. Um, which goes from the start. So, uh, yeah. you know, and given that Keith's been with him from the start. From the start. We've got six listeners in Canada, according to the Captivate website. Or we've had six downloads or in six, Canada. Six downloads in Canada, which may be one person or it may be six. It could have been one person on a layover who was bored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, you never know. That one slash six people. Might... That one slash six people. Yeah. If only it told us which part of Canada. It, I know. It's quite... And whether they knew Keith Scott. And whether they knew Keith Scott. That would be that would be helpful information. Um, I'd be quite impressed if it did. Right. Okay. So Keith Scott for twenty five. If we can do it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So we've got roughly ten weeks, haven't we? Got roughly ten weeks. And it would be a, probably a Christmas episode. It would. Right. In fact, it would be virtually absolutely a Christmas episode. Thinking about it. Christ, it's only ten weeks to Christmas. Um, well, we well. There's four. There's four less than four weeks left of, left of October, so you've got four weeks in November. So call it eight weeks till to the end of November. So two weeks. So that would take you to the fourteenth. It would be as near as damn it the Christmas episode. Oh God, does that mean we have to we'd, do we'd one be on one Boxing of, Day or something? <laughs> we'd be like that. It'd be the Christmas episode. You know when when you get the first Christmas specials that kick in about a week and a half before Christmas, and they're not the they're not the fools and horses ones. They're the kind of you know, the comedies that aren't that big. Yeah. But they do a Christmas episode and they get theirs like 10 days before Christmas. And then all the big shows get theirs on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. We'd be like that comedy. <laughs> We'd be like, like that BBC3. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or we're coming in just before Sports Person of the Year. <gasps> That's going to be weird this year, isn't it? Because um, we haven't really actually had yeah. much sport. <laughs> no. I don't know who's going to win it this year. Well, um, yeah, Lewis Hamilton probably. Yeah, that's carried on. It's going to be Lewis or a footballer, isn't it? Or maybe a cricketer, but there wasn't really enough cricket, was there? No, not really. So, probably going to be Lewis, isn't it? He's going to win every category. <laughs> and overseas, as he lives in Monaco. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, he can win them all. <laughs> right, this is, we, we, we're working our way to, to overworked guff again, so shall we... Uh, Knock it on the head. Should we knock it on the head? Yes. Right, okay, well, I'll see you next time. All right, cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Oh,